Heavenly Father, we thank you for all of your word, for those parts that are very precious to us that we love to memorise, those parts that speak of your son's death on the cross for us and how we have eternal life in him. Lord, we thank you for those parts that speak of the sovereignty of you, that you are in control of all things and working for our good. Lord, we pray that we may love this part that we are looking at today that speaks of fasting. Lord, may you help us to understand what you have spoken through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, so many years ago and may you apply it effectively to our hearts this morning. Lord, speak through me. May these words that I speak not be my own, but may they be yours. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've always enjoyed food and I'm not sure how many illustrations I've used in my sermons about food, but I think I regularly do. Uh, ever since a young age, I've, I've always enjoyed eating, and I think my son is going the same way. Joshua, uh, this week, uh, he's been on uh, some solids for the last couple of weeks. He's been on uh, some sort of rice thing, uh, it smells terrible. But this week, he tried banana and apple for the first time, mushed up, and at first, when he tried the banana, he sort of thinking about this strange taste that's in his mouth and then he realised that this tasted excellent. And then he's leaning forward. My, my mother-in-law was over and she was helping Jill feed him and she had to hold both arms back behind him as he leaned closer to the container. As soon as it was in his mouth, he was digesting it and then leaning forward to get as much into his mouth as possible. He's enjoying his food from a very young age. And I think we all know what it means to enjoy food. And interestingly, all, pretty much all religions speak about the subject of fasting, of going without food. If you explore any sort of established religion or one of the traditional religions, they will mention fasting at some point. And I think this is through a recognition that people spend a lot of time gathering food, preparing food and then eating food. If we were to go through our lives and calculate how much time was spent making money so that you could eat, how much time was spent at the supermarket buying food and then how much uh, time was spent preparing the food and then how much time was spent eating the food, I'm sure a good portion of our lives would be written off with the subject of food. And I think most religions then understand that if we were to abstain from food through fasting, we would have a significant amount of time on our hands. That if we didn't have to prepare the food that we're going to eat, then we wouldn't need the time for that and we wouldn't need the time for the actual eating of the food. And so Jesus recognises this as well. He speaks on the subject of fasting. We've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount for a number of weeks now and this week we come to the section on fasting. And this is actually a section that is uh, it's an illustration of uh, doing your acts of righteousness before men. It was introduced in chapter 6 at the very beginning in verse 1. So if you've got a church pew Bible there, that's page 960. It says, Be careful, verse 1, not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And then Jesus illustrated that point of not doing your acts of righteousness before men by giving three examples of acts of righteousness, religious acts. And the first was giving to the needy, almsgiving. Then the second was prayer. 
And then the third was fasting. And that's what we're looking at today. So today I'm going to look at fasting and I've got three questions that I'm wanting to answer. If you've got a, a bulletin there, they're on the back. Uh, the three questions that I'm going to answer. The first question then is, should I or shouldn't I fast? Is fasting something we should be doing? Because very few evangelical Christians do from what I can gather. And from when you look at the books on fasting, they're few and far between. And I think, seriously, I've never heard, I tried to recollect this week, I've never heard a sermon on fasting myself until I started listening to people this week. It's a subject that is rarely spoken about by evangelical Christians, particularly in the Western world. So then it's natural to ask this question when we come across Jesus speaking about fasting, should I or shouldn't I fast? Should I abstain from food? Well, there's a few reasons that some people give why we shouldn't fast as evangelical Christians. One of the reasons is that fasting has been superseded by the Lord Jesus Christ. Many laws in the Old Testament have been uh, overwritten by the Lord Jesus Christ. They've been fulfilled in him. And so we're allowed to eat uh, bacon and pork. We're allowed to wear clothing made of of two different uh, types of thread. There are many laws that have been superseded. Is fasting one of those? And some people suggest that it is. And in one sense that is true. The Day of Atonement was the set fast that the Israelites had to obey every year. And that fast is no longer in effect. We don't recognise the Day of Atonement because we have the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. So we don't fast because it's the Day of the Atonement. That fast has been removed, that set day. Another reason that people uh, say we shouldn't fast is because Jesus' disciples did not fast when they were with Jesus. John's disciples come in chapter 9 of of Matthew and they say, why aren't your disciples fasting? The Pharisees fast, the disciples of John fast, but Jesus, your disciples, they don't fast. And so people latch onto that and they think then, oh well, um, Jesus' disciples aren't supposed to fast. And then another reason given is that fasting is associated with mourning, with sadness. But we as Christians know that we are meant to rejoice always. We're meant to be rejoicing because our sins have been forgiven. Through the Lord Jesus' death on the cross, we know that we have forgiveness of sins. And so that gives us great reason to rejoice in everything that happens to us because we know that we have eternal life, that when we die, that is not the end. And that is not the beginning of punishment for eternity in hell. It is the beginning of our eternal life in a paradise in heaven. So those are some of the reasons that are given for not fasting. But I think that we have to say that they they aren't valid enough to say that we shouldn't fast at all. Although Jesus doesn't set times for fasting, he does assume that we will voluntarily fast. And we've got a number of reasons why that is the case. And the most powerful, I think, is probably this text that we're looking at this morning. Verse 16, it says, when you fast. It doesn't say, if you fast, this is how you, to do it, you are to do it. It says, when you fast. That same word, when, is the same word that is used in the Greek um, original of the Bible for verse 5, and when you pray, and then back in verse 2. So when you give to the needy, it is something that is assumed Christians will do, that you will give to the needy, that you will pray and that you will fast at some point. 
And then we also see in the examples of, of Jesus that he fasted for 40 days uh, before his ministry. He, 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 he saw fasting as an appropriate thing to do. We also uh, see the apostles doing it in the book of Acts that they are fasting, particularly when they send uh, Paul and Barnabas off as missionaries. They pray and fast for them and then they send them out. And we also see that in Matthew chapter 9 when Jesus is questioned about his disciples not fasting, he says that they will fast eventually. If you want to turn to that, Matthew chapter 9, so a page over in the, the church Bibles, Matthew chapter 9, page 963, we see in verse 14, Verse 14, Then John's disciples came and asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not? And then verse 15, chapter 9, verse 15, Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, then they will fast. We no longer have the bridegroom with us. We do not have Jesus here in bodily form as the disciples did. He has been taken away and that is a time of mourning for us that we aren't seeing the Lord Jesus Christ face to face as we should be. We desire that earnestly and so he expects that we will fast, we will mourn about the Lord Jesus Christ not being with us. So I think voluntary fasting is appropriate for us as Christians. It is something that is very low on our agendas and I'm not sure why that is the case. One commentator said, oh, it's because we're told to fast in secret and so no one mentions all their fasting that they're doing privately. Now, I'm not sure that is the case at all. Um, uh, I don't think uh, we can get out of it that easily. I think evangelical Christians need to be challenged a little more on the subject of fasting that it has been neglected when Jesus quite clearly here is assuming we will fast. So then, if fasting is something we should be doing, the answer to that first question is yes. Should, you fa- should I fast? It's yes. The second question then is when should I fast? What should I be fasting about? Now here you have to be careful because you've been told to fast but the Bible is quite clear that some people will come along at different times and tell you to abstain from foods and from certain foods, to fast from certain things, and to be very careful of such people. Paul, the Apostle, is very keen that we have liberty in eating. We are free to eat whatever we want. We are not restricted from certain foods, and so eating is a good thing. But we've got to be careful then when people come along and say, you should abstain from certain foods, or you should abstain from from food altogether. So firstly, what are some wrong reasons for fasting? Well, a wrong reason for fasting is because there is a set time that people have told you you are supposed to fast. And the classic example that is still with with us in in Australia and amongst people that call themselves Christians is uh, Good Friday. You know, people fast from all kinds of meat on Good Friday. Uh, They will eat fish, but they won't eat meat. And if someone ever tells you that you are to abstain from food on a certain day, ask them to show you from the New Testament where that is the case. There is no grounds from the Bible that there are set days for fasting. 
There's a set day in the Old Testament, the Day of Atonement, but if they're doing that, then they need to be sacrificing as well and this kind of thing, so you challenge them on that. But if people tell you that there is a set day for fasting, for abstaining from food, then be very suspicious of them. So don't fast because of the set day. Don't fast also for the forgiveness of sins. People get very confused on this. They think that the way we have the wrong that we have done forgiven by God, the way we can make amends for what we have done, all the sins that we have accumulated over our lives, we think that we can work them off through doing good works. It might be giving to the poor, it might be praying, or it may even be fasting. And some people spend lots of time going without food to try and make up for the wrong that they have done. And that is clearly wrong from the New Testament, from the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. The only way you can have the bad things that you have done, forgiven by God, is by trusting in Jesus' death. It's either all his death or nothing. You cannot do anything good, including fasting, to make up for your sins. And so if you are a non-Christian, you're here this morning and you've never trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ for your sins, you may think that you are a bad person, you've done some wrong things, but you've done a lot of good things as well and maybe one of them is fasting. The Bible is clear that that is not good enough. You will be punished for an eternity in hell for believing that. The only thing that will save you from an eternity in hell for punishment for the bad that you have done is a belief in the Lord Jesus Christ that when he was hanging on the cross it was for your sins, that he was the sacrifice, that he was taking the pain that you would experience for an eternity in hell so that you could be free. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not trust in giving to the poor, in prayer, in in fasting. It will only earn you more and more pain. The only way to have salvation, to have freedom, is through the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to say you're sorry for your sins and trust in him today. So you don't fast for the forgiveness of sins. You also don't fast, another wrong reason, is because God would then owe you what you want. So if I fast for this many days, God will then have to give me what I desire. So what's on my heart? I really, really want it. If I fast, God will then owe me. And that is a total misunderstanding of the scriptures as well. God never owes anyone anything. You can never do anything that would make God owe you something. And we have to be careful when we fast that we do not expect that God is then going to have to do what we are praying about, what we earnestly desire. We have to remember that God doesn't owe us anything. Another bad reason for fasting is for the praise of men so that people will see what you are doing and think well of you. And that is the main subject of this text that we have been looking at this morning. Verse 16 through to verse 18 of Matthew chapter 6 speaks of doing your fasting so that people will praise you. And Jesus says it is not right. Verse 16 reads, When you fast, do not look sombre as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, 
so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. If you fast and disfigure your face and don't wash uh, before you eat and this kind of thing so that people know you are fasting and think, oh, isn't that a wonderful Christian? That person is abstaining from food because they are such a righteous person and they earnestly are desiring the things of God. Then you don't receive any reward from the Lord. You've received your reward from man. And so if you are to fast, you're meant to do it in such a way that people don't know, that it is private and that you are still washing, uh, washing your face. You know, you wash before meals in this time and so if you were fasting, you weren't eating, so you didn't wash and so people would then work out that you were fasting. So uh, we don't so much wash our face, but wash your hands still. If that's the only time that you, uh, that you wash your hands, I wash my hands regularly throughout the day, not just before I eat, but um, if you only wash before, before you eat, make sure you don't have grubby hands because uh, people may know that you are fasting. So we don't fast because God has set times, because we want our sins forgiven, because God would owe us, or because men would praise us. So what is the right reason to fast? When should you fast? Well, I think you should fast because you do want a reward from the Lord and that is there in the text. Verse, verse uh, 17 through to 18 it says, But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting but only to your Father who is unseen and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now it's not a debt that he then owes you but it's a reward freely given from God when he sees your devotion to him. And so fasting allows you to spend time in devotion to God so that you are then able to pray for things and then he rewards you for praying and fasting so that for those particular things. And see, we've got to remember that fasting usually in the scriptures is linked with prayer. Prayer and fasting usually go together and here it is in our text as well. Prayer has come immediately before the subject of fasting. And so when we fast, we are able then to spend more time studying the scriptures and praying with that time that we would have usually spent with food. And so then God answers those prayers that we wouldn't have prayed if we were busy preparing and eating a meal together. We are able to spend that time praying and then God rewards those prayers that we have prayed, which we wouldn't have if we hadn't fasted. What rewards should we then be seeking from our God through fasting and prayer? Well, I think it's quite obvious. Uh, if we just go back a couple of verses, the kinds of things that we should be praying about. I don't think it's a coincidence that the Lord's Prayer is immediately before the subject of fasting. What kind of rewards do we expect from God? Well, we expect those things to happen that we have been praying about. We've spent the last seven weeks looking at the Lord's Prayer and going through the six petitions that are there. And if we are really concerned for those petitions, then we should be so concerned that we are ready to skip meals. We are ready to go without food to be able to pray for these things to happen. We should seek that God's name may be as holy as it possibly can, that it may be holy in our lives and in the lives of those around us so much that we are ready to go without a meal. We may, verse 10 of chapter 6, 
your kingdom come. We may be so desirous that God will return, that the Lord Jesus Christ may come back, that we are ready to skip a meal or several meals so that we can spend time in prayer to our God that Jesus may come back and come back soon. We are so homesick for heaven that we want him today and we are ready to show that by not being concerned with our meals, ignoring the hunger because we have a greater hunger, a hunger for the Lord Jesus Christ to return. And verse 10, the other petition that's there, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Many people fast over this subject that God's will may be evident to them so that they then can do it. We spoke about the will of God for a whole week, that that sermon that I did, about God's will and discerning what God's will is for us. If you are really concerned to know God's will, you're praying about it, you will be concerned enough to dedicate time that you would normally offer for food, you dedicate that to God so that you can pray about the important decision that is before you. And then verse 11, give us today our daily bread. How is that a reward from God? That seems a bit odd because if you're fasting about getting bread, uh, you should be eating the bread, um, not, not fasting from it. But we do fast for give us today our daily bread because remember we looked at that and it said our daily bread. What is the 40-hour famine all about? It's about those people overseas who are lacking food and so we spend time so that we know what it feels like for them but also so that we can gather money to send overseas so that people can have their daily bread. We fast so that those people may have their daily bread, those people who don't know where their next meal is coming from. We go without our next meal so that we can pray for them, that they will. And then verse 12, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Now I said before, we don't fast so that our sins may be forgiven. They're only forgiven through the Lord Jesus Christ. But we should be concerned particularly about the the debts that people have around us, that those people who have not trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are so concerned that they would, that we are ready to miss meals so that we can pray for their souls. And we are so concerned about that second part of that line in verse 12, as we also have forgiven our debtors. We are so concerned about that person that we can't forgive, that we struggle to forgive again and again, that we're ready to miss a meal so that we can pray that we may be able to forgive that person in the future. Lord, please answer my prayer that I can forgive that person. And then the last petition, verse 13, that we looked at last week. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You may have a particular temptation that you are struggling with, that comes again and again, and you don't know how to get over it. You keep falling into sin as that temptation comes along. If you are serious about conquering it, you'll be ready to miss a meal so that you can conquer it, so that you can spend time in prayer and studying the scriptures so that you can be strong and ready when it comes again and you won't fall into temptation. So those are the rewards that I think we can get from fasting, that we can spend time in prayer and devotion to God in studying the scriptures so that those things will happen. Notice there's no you know, mansion there, there's no sports car. 
You know, you can't get that through fasting. That's not mentioned in the Lord's Prayer. But those other things there, I think they are things that God definitely answers when we fast and we speak to him in prayer and in study of the scriptures on those subjects, that he will reward that kind of fasting. So we've looked at, should I fast? And I think the answer is yes. And then we've looked at, when should I fast? And I think it's for those... uh, for a reward from our Lord for those things in the Lord's Prayer. The third question that I want to answer is, how do I fast? How do I fast? Well, fasting should come naturally as well. We've got to remember this, that it shouldn't be at set times, but it should be something that we naturally fall into. When do you naturally not want to eat? It's when you're ill and it's when you're grieving. When you're really upset about something, you're not wanting to eat. I remember when I um, broke up with a, a girlfriend that I thought, well, she broke up with me and I was very concerned about it and I remember not wanting to eat for several days afterwards because I, I was just so glum all the time. And it wasn't Jill, it was someone else. But anyway, um, so there's no happy ending to that fasting. Um, but, you know, it is something that comes naturally that we are so upset about something that we don't want to eat. And so when we meditate upon the Lord's Prayer and we are are concerned about these things in such a way that it should naturally grieve us that Jesus hasn't come back yet, his kingdom hasn't fully come in its consummation, that it's not here and so we we aren't concerned about food, we're concerned about the Lord Jesus Christ, we're grieving over the fact that he isn't here. We're grieving about that temptation that is there and so we naturally fall into fasting over it. Now, if you're going to fast uh, from food particularly, I should give a health warning here, um, that you've got to be careful. Some people should not fast. Um, Some people are too unwell to fast and God wants us to care for our bodies. We are not a religion that hates the flesh, that hates the body, and so we are not someone, uh, we're not people who are going to uh, hurt ourselves through fasting in some sort of sick uh, hatred for our bodies. No, we've got to be careful. So if you're um, someone who needs the nourishment and needs that eating that, um, to, to help you overcome the sickness and to sustain you, then you probably shouldn't be fasting from food. But, um, and then there's other people that shouldn't fast in the fact that they're so poor they can't fast, that they <laughs> pretty much they, they don't have a regular meal anyway and they're forced to fast in that sense uh, to go without food. But uh, and they should, and when they get an opportunity to eat, they should eat. Um, they shouldn't abstain from food. And if you are going to fast, remember to drink water. Uh, all fasting is usually associated with drinking water. No one goes without water altogether. Uh, it is abstaining from food, generally the, the term that is understood as fasting. When Jesus was in the, the wilderness for 40 days, it is very, um, very likely that he drank water. He only abstained from food. But we also remember that you don't, uh, and you think, how am I going to fast? That you don't just fast from food. You can fast from other things things that are not essentially wrong to do, but they distract you from God. If you struggle to find time each day to pray and to read the Bible, think about what is stopping you from doing that. What is your day filled with 
that might be something you can fast from. How often do you struggle to read your Bible each day but you never miss an hour or two in front of the television set that you could fast from, you could go without so that you can spend time in devotion to God? How often do you struggle to read the Bible but you can read the newspaper? You struggle to speak to God but you have no problem speaking to all your friends on the phone or with social networking sites like Facebook. You're quite happy to spend hours talking with those people around you but when it comes to finding time to speaking to God, you cannot find it. Maybe it's time to fast from Facebook. You know, turn it off for a while. Turn off the computer for a while if that is something that you every day find time for but you don't find time for God. And even things like sport, you know, that are good for us. Um, I don't do much of it, but some people, they regularly find time for sport, for the doing of sport, for watching of sport, but they don't find time for God. If that is you, maybe you need to think, can I fast from this activity for a time so that I can get my priorities back on track, that I can spend time in relation to God, to prayer and to speaking with him? And the Bible even tells us that at times, uh, between married couples, that they should fast from sex for prayer. That in 1 Corinthians 7 it says, you know, if you want to, uh, abstain from sexual relations for a time for prayer, that is the only legitimate reason to abstain from sex. And that time should be done for prayer. There's lots of reasons I hear for people um, not having sex, but prayer is one that doesn't usually come up very high on the list. Okay? That, honey, let's, let's abstain so that we can spend some time in prayer. I've really been struggling to, to find time to pray and to read God's word, so let's do without. God encourages us to think about such things and to see what is going on in our life that we never miss but we're happy to miss prayer and devotion to God. We should look at our lives and think, what is there that I can fast from? You may not have to fast from it indefinitely. Don't put a bullet through your television set, but maybe turn it off. Maybe unplug the cord so it's a little bit more, um, the remote control doesn't work as quickly and so it slows you down from turning it on. But you can come back to it later on when you're a bit more controlled and when you regularly are spending time with God in prayer and in devotion to his word. So once you've decided that fasting is appropriate, when it's appropriate, so that you can pray and so you can spend time studying the word, and how it is appropriate, what do you do next? I've answered those three questions, I think, to some degree. Um, It's up to you to, to ascertain how effectively I've answered those. Well, once you've done that and you have fasted, what do you do then? Well, expect God to answer those prayers that you have sacrificed food or something else for so that you can pray and so that you can study his word. Expect God to answer those prayers. Time and time again in church history, people who have fasted and prayed to the Lord have spent much time with God instead of you know, going off other, other pursuits such as food such as uh, distractions with reading and friends. Time and time again, God has done mighty things. I just wanted to give one example to finish with. One example. A guy uh, in America, a man there, uh, Carl Lundquist, 
a lecturer for many years at Bethel College, he speaks of how he first began to take fasting seriously. He says, My own serious consideration of fasting as a spiritual discipline began as a result of visiting Dr. Jun Gon Kim in Seoul, Korea. I'm not sure I'm getting the names right. Um, some of our Korean friends may be able to correct us later. Is it true, I asked him, so this is uh, Carl asking uh, Dr. Jun, that you spent 40 days in fasting prior to the evangelism crusade in 1980? Yes, he responded, it is true. Dr Kim was chairman of the crusade expected to bring a million people to Yoedo Plaza. So a million people were expected to come. But six months before the meeting, the police informed him they were revoking their permission for the crusade. Korea at that time was in political turmoil and Seoul was under martial law. The officers decided they could not take the risk of having so many people in one place at one time. A million people in one spot was just too dangerous. So Dr Kim and some associates went to a prayer mountain and there spent 40 days before God in prayer and fasting for the crusade. Then they returned and made their way to the police station. Oh, said the officer when he saw Dr Kim, we've changed our mind and you can have your meeting. Forty days of prayer and fasting and God, in his mercy, in his wisdom, deemed it right to answer their prayer that they could have that meeting of a million people in one place to worship God. Do you fast? Jesus expects that you will fast, that you will abstain from things so that you can spend time with him. Do you? Do you so earnestly desire the petitions that we have seen in the Lord's Prayer that you will go without the pleasures of food and television and newspapers and social networking, speaking with your friends so that you can devote yourself to God for them? How much of your time each day is wasted on things that you hunger for? that you hunger for more than you hunger for God and for those petitions in the Lord's Prayer. How much time is wasted in your life that you could be fasting from those other pursuits so that you can spend time in devotion to God, in praying these things? Let us speak with our God now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the many good things that you bless us with and we thank you for food. We thank you that it sustains us and we thank you that we can enjoy it, that you have given us many tastes in this world and many types of food and many ways to cook food that we can enjoy and receive as a blessing from you, as a good thing given to your people through the mercy that you have enabled through the Son crucifixion on the cross. But Lord, may our desire for food and those many good things that you give us never be more than our desire for you. May it never be more than our desire to spend time in prayer and in devotion to your word. May we be ready to reset our priorities. May our number one priority day by day not be food, not be all the distractions that are around us, but may it be to serve you by spending time in prayer 
and in meditation upon you and how wonderful you are and meditation upon your scriptures. May we be ready to sacrifice things in our lives that we hold dear to us so that we can show how dear you are truly to us. Lord, help us to remember the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to regularly fast from things that distract us from you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.